the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. Glad to be with you on this Monday, August 31st, uh, 2020. Um, we, we are still in the middle of a lot of smoke uh, in the Bay Area here. I guess there are a number of fires that are still uh, smoldering, and uh, it has uh, maintained a, a lengthy now period of um, contaminated air, if you will. And we are trying to work through it. I mean, it's a little bit better, but not like a whole lot better. I am looking out of my picturesque window here in the uh, dining room as I am uh, uh, taking advantage of technology to speak with you and to to encourage you and engage you. Hopefully, we can have two hours of of interesting topics today. But, yeah, thinking about just looking out again, just the lack of, a clear blue sky for some period of time now, maybe, what, three weeks now, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, just the smoky air that is problematic for most of us who are sensitive and uh, having some, you know, some some, some preconditions that uh, have to do with our breathing. Uh, this is a problem, and so, uh, but apparently uh, we can't fix it. <laughs> the governor can't fix it. Uh, our utility uh, systems can't overcome this and uh, demand that the uh, air currents uh, riskily remove the present contaminated air uh, and, and recover us to a, a, a normally healthy uh, experience of H2O in the Bay Area, for which we are very thankful for uh, uh, policies that mandate clean air. I've shared this with you before, being in other countries and other states where air pollution levels and air pollution policies are so poor that uh, this type of uh, grayish, uh, smoky, reddish air that you and I are dealing with every day is the norm in different countries. It's the norm in different states where smoking is allowed, and again, um, air pollution is at a much higher, higher level. Uh, and so we're thankful for that. In fact, right, right about now, as I look out my window around the hills of of Pasco uh, Valley and Hayward, yeah. the beautiful surrounding Polymeric Hills, my wife is somewhere on one of these hills, either still ascending or descending, if you will. Uh, Lord, watch over her and all of the other people that are smart enough to make sure that even in the midst of this COVID situation that we're dealing with, that we need to try to get some exercise and spend some time outside. Do not, uh, do not allow the, uh, the, the respite and the uh, social distancing and cover for shelter uh, cause you to fall into patterns of behavior that will get you sick because a lot of that's going on. I mean, if you wanted to, you could go and look up the statistics of, of illnesses increasing psychologically and physiologically because of a lack of uh, normalcy. And people are 
really having a hard time uh, with, with, uh, with how to manage their lives. But we, we've got to press through. We have to find a way to adjust. We have to adapt. And we have to adapt in a way that allows us to move forward with as much of a healthy constitution as possible. So I want to encourage you around that. Don't get lazy. Don't pick up bad habits. Don't justify bad conduct. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. And remember, you are the one that deceives yourself. Ultimately, uh, the enemy can help you, but you are the one that opens the door for him to bring in propositions by which you lie to yourself and to God. That's us. Uh, that's why on the day of judgment, won't no one be standing there but you and God. The devil won't be there, so we won't get to blame it on him as we are accustomed to doing in our world, both personally, religiously, and, and definitely today under a lot of political uh, turmoil. As you know, we want to blame it on someone else. So, uh, you know, please be careful to be responsible and, and self-determining and committed to uh you're taking care of yourself at the highest levels. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline, and I am your host, Jesse Gistan. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I am excited about the near future. I'm excited about life in general. I'm very careful, but I am excited. Glad to be uh, in the land of the living uh, and ready to uh, move forward in serving my God, and, and serving the, the world and serving this Bay Area community, just so thankful to be living in the Bay Area. It could be living somewhere else. could be under much more difficult circumstances. could be under much more painful uh, uh, drudgery of life. There are a thousand communities around the world in which you and I could find ourselves in way worse situations than we are here in the Bay Area for which we ought to be thankful to God and committed to a life of faithfulness and a life of service and a life of worship, uh, by the way. Uh, we have been uh, worshiping at Grace inside our building over the last couple of weeks with the outside being an option for people who uh, still feel somewhat uh, timid about entering inside, thanks to Grace Community Church down in, uh, uh, in, in uh, Central, uh, Northern California, uh, Southern California, down under somewhere down there where uh, John MacArthur has basically spearheaded uh, a challenge to our, our governor and to the government around our constitutional rights. So a number of our churches have moved on in, and thankfully uh, we have a, a number of people at Grace that are willing to exercise a radical and assertive faith to do so. Yes, we're still doing social distancing to some degree. And we are also wearing masks because people are comfortable with it. But uh, a lot of us have gotten a real handle on the, the, the disproportionate, because that word is used so much in so many contexts, the disproportionate propaganda that pushes us towards almost not wanting to socialize and just kind of stay locked in, which is so contrary to the nature of the people of God and the nature of what God has called us to in terms of worship and gathering together and encouraging one another. So we have gradually been uh, regaining our Constitution at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. It was a, a wonderful service this Sunday with lots of people out uh, enjoying the new people that are coming out as well because they're hungry. Uh, and what I discovered talking with a number of the newer people 
coming to visit graces at their own local churches are not gathering. They haven't gathered for months. And, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, what are you doing, pastors? What, 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 is, your, what is your biblical ethic and what is the biblical grounds for not, you know, providing some means of, of substantial fellowship? I'm sure you know that this is one of the premier grounds upon which the people of God God not only gather but grow and nurture and develop and, and impact one another. I mean, we go to the grocery store, to the market, to the several different facilities that are open uh, out there in the community, and we gather in small huddles, and it doesn't bother us. Why can't we do the same thing on that sacred day that is set apart for the people of God to express who they are in Christ to the world? There are all sorts of upside benefits to it. So I do want to encourage you pastors out there to, to um, really, really work through the new normal that you may have fallen into. Your people need you. They need it to be in the presence of leadership. They need to be in the presence of the people of God. The people of God need to, to touch each other and, and, and embrace it and speak to each other and encourage each other to see each other. This is not even an option. It really does need to be done. So, I, I, you know, I want to encourage you along, along those lines to, uh, to, to start moving in that direction if you have the ability to. If you don't, totally understandable. If your community is such where you have so many older people that are compromised in their health, that is totally understandable as well. You you might be fearful of bringing them into a situation where they uh, could uh, contract something, and, and, and you definitely don't want that if you can help it. But uh, we have to continue to walk by faith uh, and not just simply be conditioned by the imperative of our government when they are overreaching and they impede our calling and our culture as the body of Christ. I want to just encourage you along those lines so that you don't look up and find yourselves dealing with irreparable damage for forsaking the assembly of yourselves as we see the days drawing nigh. So, uh, you know, I, that, that's the opening word for you and I, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 and 26. Uh, the exhortation is now that we have a high priest who has uh, established a, 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 an open veil ministry by which we can enter into his presence out of a pure heart with uh, our bodies sprinkled with clean water and walking in a confession of faith rooted in the reality of the finished work of our great Melchizedek, Jesus Christ. We can talk to the Father through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, individually and collectively. We can worship and call the world, which is filled with all kinds of troubles, to church. Let them do that. Like I said, I enjoyed so much, enjoyed so much to see new people and different people who have been listening to our program and just been wanting to visit. What a blessing. What a, a blessing. And it all became, it all is because we decided to exercise a measure of faith that allowed that to occur. Of course, we're always praying for God to protect us and to watch over us so that we don't uh, don't succumb to anything that he would not allow to be um, a, a challenge to our faith. But it's a choice we have to make. Look, this is the Monday edition of Lifeline. A lot to talk about. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight 
three six seven five three two nine. What, what's on your mind? What's what are the thoughts in your head? I'm, I'm willing to chat chat with you. Uh, we can talk about the DNC and the RNC uh, conventions. They were uh, worthy of lessons and discussions and uh, disparities and comparisons. If you want to, we can continue to work through what's happening in our world and in our nation with the breakdown in different cities around the crime and the protests and the violence. And you, you know I have a, a position on that, and I'd love to share it with you if you want to talk about it, expand on it, engage it. Or you may have something around biblical areas that you need questions answered. Uh, just looking forward to chatting with you. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll let you call while we take some breaks and pay some bills. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host Jesse Gistan. I'll be right back. And we are back. The time is five twenty-one on the Monday edition of Lifeline. All the lines are open if you want to call in one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. All the lines are open if you want to chat with yours. Truly, just a gift stand at one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. The question is, what's on your mind? Do you have a topic that you want to field and discuss, unpack and address with our listening audience? Be glad to, to do that with you. Um, I, I said in the uh, closing of our first segment that I had an opportunity, and I don't do it much. I don't. I don't watch the conventions of uh, the Democrats or the Republicans at all. I don't spend much time doing that. Over the years, I haven't, only because as a rule, they just kind of come off to me as a, a little cheesy and unauthentic, uh, if you will. But that's you know, I, because I don't give myself a whole lot to politics. Uh, but with, with all of the stuff that's going on today, where politics is so forcing itself upon the lives of Americans and the um, the irreparable damage of the immorality that is rampant within politics, also that's so utterly intrusive into our culture, uh, one of the questions that pastors are getting uh, lately is, you know, why why are you uh, engaging in politics? Uh, and, and religion, shouldn't you keep those two things separate? Well, that that historically has been a kind of precedent that, that has been practiced where you just don't want to be in arguments and you don't want to be in debates with people because people are often uh, settled in their views and trapped by their narratives. And one gets that. I was just doing some work with the uh, psychologist and sociologist uh, who, who has done some, some real uh, stellar uh, and yeoman's work on the way human beings think. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Haidt made the mention that human beings, particularly our Westerners and particularly our 21st century folks, um, they are uh, gripped by and driven by emotional positions first. They hold to strong emotional premises and then they uh, they look for uh, existential uh, and empirical evidence to uh, to affirm that. And what he was stating was that when you go to talking about topics which, of which an individual uh, holds a view that might be opposite of yours, you got to remember that they are going to be emotionally centered nine times out of ten. Very few people will you meet 
that when once you engage them on a topic of which they disagree or don't understand your view or don't hold your position, that they uh, they can't be <clears throat> they can't be civil about it. They can't be rational. They want to uh, <clears throat> violate the rules of dialogue and get um, irate or um, upset, and uh, then begin to you know just kind of uh, rabbit trail or um, circular reasoning. Or just, you know, just, just violate the rules and get mad at you. That, that happens a lot. And so here we are in a very heated, heated, heated period of time where, uh, where the political issues today are as vital in its relationship to true believers as, in, as, at, as at almost any time in, uh, in our history as Americans particularly. The political issues today, if you look at the platforms and you look carefully at their goals, their stated goals, their deep, entrenched overall goals, you cannot divorce a moral and an ethical and therefore a theological prism from what they are doing. You you just can't do it, whether it's on the part of the Democrats or the Republicans. uh, An honest believer realizes that you are dealing with issues that infringe upon what the Bible explicitly teaches. I'm talking about honest believers. I'm not talking about the dishonest believer walking in a cognitive dissonance. I'm talking about real believers whose mind is rooted in biblical truth, and you know what the Word of God says about this, that, and the other. You know what the Word of God says about all of these matters. Uh, and, and, And the biblically minded person is struggling. If they are particularly uh, emotionally aligned, historically, traditionally aligned with uh, a, a, a political platform that is radically, and I mean in a ugly way, contrary to the Word of God, in virtually every one of the biblical pillars that have to do with uh, our identity in Christ, our calling as families, our uh, commitment as human beings, our distinction as persons, our uh, responsibility to raise our kids in the fear and nurture of the Lord and a biblical worldview, you know that if you're operating on the blue side, uh, quite frankly, there are some huge, huge challenges that uh, are actually going to be insurmountable for you uh, if you if you continue down that track um, on the side of the red or the RNC. Um, I had no idea, you know, what Trump had done for the last uh, three or four years of any significant, substantial, and uh, specific way. Uh, but it certainly did manifest itself during the uh, RNC with uh, a massive diversity of people. Uh, it was uh, quite remarkable. Down there, common folks uh, with regular jobs that, uh, that appeared to be sincere. Uh, they all had the same kind of political drive. They're on the same team. So anyone uh, that would be looking for anything different, you're, you're, you're looking at the wrong uh, program if you, if you don't think that those people are inclined to want to support the policies of the, of the Republic, Republican Party. But when you listen to it and you watch it, the quality that I – and I'm just being objective because I don't watch this stuff a lot, but I watched the DNC uh, as much as I could all the way through – just to see what they were saying and to see what, what a uh, DNC convention would look like um, under a COVID situation. And a lot of what they were doing was quite interesting in terms of dynamics and, and methodology and, 
some of the imaging. It was it was pretty pretty uh, pretty interesting, pretty good. Quite quite frankly, uh, not knowing what else to do other than kind of sit up and zoom, which would have been utterly boring and just zoom. So they had some very good uh, people helping them format and structure a week of uh, of presentations. And, uh, and after the DNC, uh, we had a chance to, to see what the Republicans would do. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, and I'm just being honest, I'm not a Republican, and I'm not a Democrat. But I'll tell you what, uh, it was so evident, the quality of presentation on the part of the Republicans versus the Democrat. And I'm not even talking about the content. You, you, if you're a Bible-believing Christian and you really are uh, tethered to the text, you, you would know that the content was radically different on, on multiple levels, and I'd love to hear from you if you want to talk about it. But just in general, what I caught in the RNC, the Republican National Conference, uh, what I never saw, even going all the way back to uh, George W. Bush uh, and before him, what I never saw was what I called the healthy level of diversity, sincerity, and a very God-centered uh, down-to-earth expression among those people that had never been there before, just had never been there before, and it was uh, it was refreshing to hear and see. It was refreshing to hear what the Trump administration had done for people in prison, African-American people in prison, what they had done uh, for people who had been on the front lines of fighting COVID and, and dying and the families that were part of some of the tragic events that occurred with people being killed in many of these protests. It was just refreshing to see that there were factual dynamics that were taking place in the part of the president. I had already known about the president being just a yeoman when it comes to getting Christians out of uh, Iran and, uh, and Korea and different parts of the world, which no other president had, had, had even remotely accomplished this task, including Obama. Uh, so I knew that was unique to the president. But the, the RNC appears to me to be different, and I didn't know it was that diverse to this level. Uh, and it kind of makes me wonder, if you're an RNC person, would this be true? i got to take a break, but would this be true? Is the RNC uh, dealing with two components? One, the, uh, in, the people that are impacted by Trump's policies and then brought in to be part of Trump's team versus the old school Republican guard that didn't even show up really, uh, with the exception of a few people, uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani and a handful of others. Uh, for the most part, it appears like Trump is creating his own new 21st century uh, multi-ethnic, multi-diverse, God-centered group of men and women uh, that might be uh, might be the future if he gets in for the next four years. Am I wrong about that? Let me know. one 367 one Plus, we'll talk about uh, what I consider a just adolescent overall uh, narrative on the part of the Democrats. It didn't make sense to me, but we'll talk about that. I think all the lines are open. one 367 I'm going to pay some bills. Looking forward to talking with you on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. All right, we're back on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Again, glad to have you with us. We may have a line open if you want to try to 
join us uh, in conversation for today. I'd love to hear from you. one 367 Jesse Gistan in the house with you, pastor of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We are in a series in the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse of uh, John, and we will be there, Lord willing, unless Christ says something different all through the rest of this year. Uh, I do want to uh, encourage you to join me Tuesday night, 6.30, Wednesday night, 6.30, and then again Friday night. We're going to be working through the promises that Christ made particularly to the seven churches uh, of uh, the uh, Asia Minor area. I am uh, building uh, an argument that the book of the Revelation is for uh, the church, and it is from Christ, the head of the church, and that the whole drama of redemption is about the struggle of the church, made up of Jews and Gentiles, uh, from the days of Christ's ascension to glory until he returns, and we need to uh, have a Christ-centered, church-centered understanding of this glorious book, because events have transpired historically and are transpiring even as you and I are speaking that are relevant to our walk in navigation of this wicked world, which is increasingly becoming uh, fascist and, and domineering on so many levels. Uh, I'm talking to my own congregation about our trajectory towards a post-gendered culture. So for those people who are out there all animated about race, be very sure that once this false narrative of race has accomplished its purpose, we will be moving into a post-gendered argument, a post-gender argument because it really is not about race. That's just a Trojan horse. If you do your research in the scientific world, if you do your re- research in the realm of politics and sociology, we are headed towards a post-gender world where artificial intelligence is going to play a major role in den- uh, dominating your life, as the Word of God would uh, depict by way of example and analogy in the book of the Revelation. We'll get a chance to unpack that in Revelation chapter 13, uh, beginning this week on Sunday. But this Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to be talking about the nature and character of the promises of God that Christ made to the church in Asia Minor, which work themselves out throughout the whole book of the Revelation to teach us how that the audience to which Christ is speaking in the book of the Revelation is the church and none other. So uh, join me if you want to have a stimulating uh, exegetical, expository, Christ-centered experience working through the promises of God to the seven churches by Christ in uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Join me tomorrow at 6.30. We'll be at it and then again Wednesday at 6.30 and then again Friday as well. We are going to go to line number two, and we're going to talk to Sean and Redlin as soon as we pull him up. Sean, are you there? Hi, Pastor Jesse. I'm here. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. How are you and the family doing? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hey, yeah, I was, I was calling. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, are you guys dealing with uh, any of these uh, conflagrations, any of these fires up there in your area, any of the smoke? Uh, mm, there was There was a... There's a a place called Oak Glen up this way that right. kind of in the mountains. And there was some pretty significant fires over there a couple of weeks ago. But okay. other than that, 
um, as far as like the more localized area where we're at, we haven't we haven't really dealt with it at all. So. Cool. So what's up, Doc? Um, yeah, I was calling just to I I, I kind of want to echo what you were saying about the last thing you were saying about the differences in the DNC and the RNC. Um, I could I can certainly see. Um, or possibly see like kind of like a hybrid Republican Party coming out of this if if Trump were to win. Um, okay, that's different than, than what the Republican Party has been historically. And then also, and you see on the negative side with the Democrats, it's, it's, they're almost their version of themselves that they're they're totally different than what they were eight ten years ago, let alone forty fifty years ago. You know. Um, but they've kind of gone the opposite way, and it seems like the Republican Party has gone more of a um, more of a American first, patriotic, um, people first sort of sort of way with putting God into it, and and so that it's it's it's, it's kind of encouraging knowing that there is the, a dialectic process and that this yeah, world has yeah. fallen and and all that. But but I am very optimistic about. Uh, about the future, um, and, and and yeah, but I could I certainly see a, a, a hybrid, like a new type of party coming out of this. Sure. In the future. Sure. So let's 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 do an exercise with our audience, and uh, I'll you know I'll take them through the framework on this because I think you got a little bit. You certainly understand what we're dealing with with a dialectical process. This is something mm-hmm. that is uh, a phenomenon by Hegel. Uh, Marxists understood it. The Marxists that are presently dominating the uh, DNC certainly understand it. So you're seeing transformation in both parties. You're seeing a very mm-hmm. negative, dark, kind of godless Marxism that really is the full-grown expression of socialism. I'm always surprised when people are uh, repulsed or offended when I talk about Marxism as if somehow Marxism is a no-no, but the reality is anybody that knows history, the recent history of the last hundred years, realizes that we have always been, uh, as a free country and a free people, anywhere there has been a a biblical worldview, whether it is a Judeo-Christian construct in America or in Europe, that the attack has been rooted in a Marxist philosophy of, of total anarchy against God and socialism egalitarianism, and humanism. It's a doctrine I've been preaching against forever, uh, you know, when God taught me what the real battle is. And I see that in the Democratic Party. They are fundamentally godless, uh, and so their narrative is dark. I don't know what you call I call a very negative uh, narrative that was, that was hopeless and godless. And it, the thing that bothered me about them was that they were so adolescent in blaming Trump for everything. I'm like, Trump is the devil, and he's the cause of all evil. And I'm like, I mean, are you kidding? I mean, if you really want people to take you seriously, you've you got to be much more intellectually uh, substantive mm-hmm. than that. Did you did you catch that in the, in the DNC? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you could, you could definitely sense that and see it and everything they're saying because they didn't really – present any type of substantive, substantive arguments or policies or anything. They were just basically saying Trump ruined America the last four years, so don't vote for him and, and vote for us. That's essentially, and they were just complaining the whole time. 
and and I, I think the 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 Marxist ideology has been kind of permeating society for a while, and now we're starting to see it rear rear its ugly head. And what's happening is that that satanic ideology is pushing both sides in different directions, and right. the people that have an, an inkling of common sense, and not not to be disrespectful to the other side, but but the people who, who, who have some reason and rationale in them, whether they're born again Christians or not, they, they're recognizing that, hey, this is a bad this is a bad ideology here and we don't really want that. And so everybody's being pushed one way or the other and um, and it's creating new it's creating new paradigms on both ends. Yeah. And yeah, and, yeah. and and that's why it's yeah, really no, encouraging because go ahead, I'm sorry, Pastor. No, 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 you, you finish your point and then I'll make mine before we break. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's creating new paradigms on both ends. And, and so, and, and I really believe personally the, the, um, most people in our country don't want what the DNC was presenting. Most people don't want that. And, and so people who are on the fence are going to go that way or go, go, go to the right or not vote at all. But, um, but it, 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 my hope is in Christ and in the gospel. But, but it left me very optimistic about things coming down the pipeline, um, despite all the current problems we have. Absolutely. And so the way that I'm, I'm kind of summing this up so far uh, between now and the next uh, 60 days is that, um, and this is typical. People are tracking with me, Sean, in the book of the Revelation. What the book of the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm teaches us is that Christ is the one that governs the nations, and and we don't want to ever mm-hmm. divorce the immediacy of his rule taking place mm-hmm. here in America. I am very much acutely aware of his, uh, his, his testing the church, his challenging the world uh, uh, with, 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 with these two systems, which he said would occur. This is the battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of life. At a larger uh, theological level, there's no doubt about it, because as I said in my opening narrative, uh, politics, the goal of politics is to intrude upon God's space and basically exterminate God when it can. And that's, that's what we see mm-hmm. happening. But the pushback on the part of the Republicans has been a healthy recognition that maybe the Lord Jesus Christ will give us a stay of judgment in America for uh, a season longer so that we can reposition ourselves for what will ultimately be a serious attack on the part on the part part of universal Marxism, which is nothing but biblical humanism that that takes one that massive satanic uh, uh, one world system to oppose us. So we might get a little breathing room, and at that point, we really have to strategize how we're going to walk with God, stand for Christ, stand for the gospel. Be men and women who are morally and ethically consistent with the explicit commands of, of Scripture as the children of grace so that we can bear record of Christ's rule in our lives. Listen, i got to pay some bills, so i got to let you go, bro. Enjoy you. Look forward to talking to you again. You guys, I'm, I'm going to take a break. I think I do have some lines open if you want to call and chime in on our topic on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. The time is 5.52 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. If we can, let's pull up Renee on line number four. Uh, Renee, are you there? 
Uh, yes, good evening, Pastor. How are you, man? I am uh, doing okay, thank you. Doing okay, relying on the Lord for strength and for comfort. So tell me, man, how, how's your mother doing? Oh, she is also well. Uh, she's doing well. She was with me for a couple of months after my, my wife's death, and so, you know, it was comforting, and it was good. We had um, some um, you know, fellowship. Speaking of fellowship, we our, our, our church of about uh, maybe, um, I don't know, 50, 60 people, we, we, we rent from uh, another denomination, so they are not allowing us to go back physically to, you know, to worship. Right. So uh, that kind of um, is a roadblock for us because we've been wanting to get back together, but uh, we managed to um, uh, implement. They had, there's a courtyard, so we go and do outside worship. But with the smoke, right. it has limited our our our, our ability uh, to do that. So, so you guys, you guys do have uh, you guys are being affected up there by smoke, Renee? Oh yeah, yeah. We have. I have the. Um, what I call it? There's a. Um, Olima, uh, Marin County um, fire, and so yeah. also the Napa uh, yeah, has a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of smoke in this area. So it's it's almost like a fog, but um, it is a fog. You, know, you guys, yeah, you can, you can't. Yeah, it is a fog because we got it down here, man. And you can't. You really, you guys shouldn't be out in that. I mean, you know, I, I definitely am advocating fellowship, but I do not like uh, the perpetual. You know, no, 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 yeah, that's why we have not met the past, uh, out in the open, we have not met for the past two weeks because of the smoke. Okay, got it, Yeah, so... what's on your mind, man? A couple of other things, too, it's like um, the, um, just the article that I was reading in regards to CDC now says that 94% of the COVID deaths had an underlying condition, only 6% were COVID alone, you know, so I think that... um, you know, a, uh, what is this, um, like the, uh, oh, I don't know, I can't remember the uh, the uh, mayor of, of Chicago who was uh, <clears throat> with the Obama administration said, you know, take 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 advantage of uh, of a um, of a situation. Crisis. Crisis, yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, I can see where this, this could be being manipulated to, for, for certain advantage for certain um, people. Well, you know, it's, so. it's being it's being manipulated for sure, uh, Renee, for financial purposes. It's very clear. Uh, any anyone who really is, is trying to stay up on it, once the COVID struck, the policy in the hospitals was to tag people with COVID, even if they just had COVID symptoms, because yeah. you. Yes, you, yes, you, I, I remember reading something about that too. Yeah, so. Right. You get you get. I just wanted to opine a little bit on the. Um, I, I did see both. Um, both um, okay. uh, conventions um, sparsely, but um, you know the contrast between. Uh, I really appreciated uh, the people that uh, came up and spoke because I, I could identify with with them. First of all, they 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 um, they addressed God and and his and his uh, grace and his uh, mercy. Uh, the prayers. They, I mean, they opened with prayers. And um, the issue of abortion was addressed uh, openly, and so um, versus versus what I heard and what I saw in New York when the legislature passed 
you know, that abortion law, and everybody stood up and cheered. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, huge, huge contrast. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'll tell you, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, what I, what I, what I, and, and like I said, I, you, you, I, I really did uh, surprisingly enjoy the authenticity of our, our brother from Cuba, who, um, you know, who, who talked about how he got here. Uh, and he understands communism extremely well. And, you know, I, I don't know why people don't understand why people want to come to America if, if America is so bad and so irreparably damaged with, with, with race, systemic racism. The argument uh, is filled with just so many contradictions in terms of people who get here and thrive and survive and prosper and still know how to keep God at the center of their life. It's a, a wonderful, hopeful thing when you meet and hear about people like that brother from Cuba, and, and many others as well. Go ahead on, Renee. Yeah, yeah, very much so, you know. And um, the um, the um, nun who was a uh, medical doctor in the Army, and wow. uh, she says, you know, from my, from my medical experience, uh, conce- uh, life starts at conception. And so um, that was another powerful impact for me, Um but I I I, lo- I love what um, the general gentleman from Kentucky said. Uh, basically, yeah. you know, look at me, I'm black. Uh, I can think for myself. <laughs> yeah. okay. So both yeah, a lot of a lot of good things, and uh, not naturally, yes, um, our savior doesn't uh, reside in the White House or any other White House except his ta- his his uh, his kingdom up in heaven at this point. So, of course, that's who that's who we have to. Um, uh, kneel, kneel ourselves to, and ask for His mercy because our country is suffering from having turned from God for so many years. So, like you said, I pray that it'll it'll be a stay for our country to be able to uh, uh, have a heartfelt reformation within each one's heart to be able to um, you know uh, allow the Spirit to do His work. That's going to be the solution, uh, Renee, for sure. The resolution for the church, and, 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 and I definitely appreciate those words, because that's where I am. I, I've been that way for a long time, obviously, uh, re, uh, revival. But my heart says that the vast majority of, of Americans who are sliding down this path of humanism with a, a Marxist corporate structure behind it um, um, are blinded to the glory of God as, as our hope, and, and the only way that that can be busted up is two things, for God to bring revival, but God will only bring revival when he has deemed that the pain of humanity is sufficient to the point of bringing us to repentance. And right now, I don't see it in the church. I don't see it on the left. I see little inklings on the right, but not not necessarily the repentance that we need, because this stuff is so systemically entrenched in all of the major elements of our society in terms of education, in terms of business, in terms of uh, media. I'm talking about this, this diabolical godless system of, uh, of, 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 of uh, Marxism and, uh, you know, this whole whole social justice movement, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's all part of a transformational process away from God. Any intelligent person working in the educational system or in the social uh, social uh, uh, business or in the humanities, they know that what I'm saying is absolutely true. 
and, and if it should continue its trajectory into the, the near future, the policies, I'm talking about the policies, there's going to be a massive divide that takes place between people of God and the secular world. You're going to see a major split in the apostate churches as well that are collapsing up under this delusion, uh, Renee. So that, that will probably be first God's uh, hand of mercy in the next four years because the policies will be implemented by weak states, as you have seen yes. with, um, with many of the protest states. And so we, we, we will look for a, a divide taking place, and the people of God are going to have to be strong, be prayerful, and be focused. So listen, man, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you're doing well. You get a chance to talk to your mom. Um, tell her I said hello, and you guys continue to keep your eyes on Christ. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got to take a break. A couple of lines are open, I suppose. one 367 5329 Love talking to you, and we'll talk to you after this break. 